the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. People, Leo Phillips here with This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Every single week we bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this big, gigantic, spongy globe. We talk passion, we talk first concerts, insights into the creative mind during this truly unusual time and everything in the Juicy Center. This week, we're excited to share a conversation with Emily Cross of Cross Record. I do remember that I was obsessed with Gloria Estefan when I was very young. The experimental project focuses on a powerful fusion of visceral muscle and ephemeral glow, most recently culminating in an incredible self-titled record in 2019. In addition, Emily is one-third of the band Loma, alongside Dan Dzinski and Jonathan Myberg, and Loma is set to release a new record of their own via Sub Pop. And as if that weren't enough, Emily is also a death doula, someone who assists in the understanding and processing of death, aiming to help individuals and families cope with mortality as a natural part of life. Needless to say, her work in that field under the organization name Steady Waves End of Life Services is particularly pressing and meaningful in the midst of a global pandemic. Lior spoke with Emily about organizing living funerals for individuals struggling with the concept of mortality while also touring as a musician, how moving to England may change her work, and bringing essential oils into green rooms on tour. So let us not be delayed. This is Lior and Emily. Enjoy! When you went to Mexico for working on the record that you released last year, mm-hmm. were you conscious of that ideology in terms of the secluded state of an, of an artist? Or was that something... Well. Yeah, I think it's a pretty well-worn narrative, and I do think that it helps. I mean, in Mexico, that's where I could just focus because none of my normal things were around me. So, 
I don't necessarily think it's um, so much about, as you said, being isolated. Mm. I think it's more to do with being out of your normal place where you can be distracted by Mm. things that you could otherwise be doing. What do you feel are the distractions for you? For me, it's, you know, I find it difficult to work, for instance, if I have, I'm in a space that has a lot of clutter or mess going on. If I'm at my house, for instance, it's difficult for me to get anything done if there's any housework that that needs to be completed. Really, I can't relax unless I have Ordered. A very clean yeah. environment, ordered environment. <laughs> yes. I'm just that kind of person. I hear you. So for me, if I need to do something, like if I know I really, really have to focus on something, I will have to leave my house um, entirely and go to like a cafe or something. But even at a cafe, oh gosh, it's not quiet and just housework. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty lame. But I don't true. think so. I it's it's like the concept in psychology of cleaning, you know, one's drawer. Like if your drawer is messy, like what's it called? Like empty surfaces, messy drawers. And I feel yeah, like there's a yeah. lot of people connect their like internal self to that concept of like, oh, I'm messy inside if I look well presented. And that could potentially happen. It often does to most of us. You've mm-hmm. got to just clean yourself up to, you know, face life. Yeah. But I feel like if you have proper like if you have cleaned your home and done your laundry cleaned your closet all of those things I don't know especially it resonates with me because I do the same thing uh, when I'm feeling slightly maybe I don't use it as a distraction I use it as maybe a way to come more toward myself if Mm -hmm. that makes sense um yeah but some people don't like a lot of artists are almost the opposite like chaos seems to not even um, like matter to them that you know yeah yeah, it's like you know artists artist studios are just like messy and there's like stuff everywhere and like to me it's just like that's a nightmare I mean I think it's I, I think that it's amazing that people are able to do that and just like kind of have this creative free flowing you know, mind. But to me, I guess I just can't relax if if there's stuff all around. It's just really hard for me. Just take me back visually to the recording process for you, because I know sure. obviously it wasn't necessarily just you going into the studio and getting, you know, four hours or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like some bands do. So yours, of course, was much more fluid. So what did it look like around you? Where do you keep your... Where do you put all your thoughts down? How do you keep the space around you? What what do you what are the, like I don't know maybe the colors that you like around you as a creative person or the people? Describe mm. that that experience to me. I think that I value coziness. <laughs> yes, yes. So I I need to be very comfortable in Mexico, for instance. I was just, I was writing, I was recording as well, but it was just recording, you know, like my ideas to later go to the studio. But when I was writing, I would just go in this room that I had designated in the Airbnb for my studio. You know, it was hot. It had, it happened to be hot when I was recording 
uh, doing the demos. And so I would just have, you know, very comfortable clothing on and I would have um, a lot of tea. So I like <laughs> yeah. to have hot, hot drinks always, <laughs> even if it is hot. Uh-huh. But um, and then, you know, chapstick. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then really, that's that's it. I don't I don't really have like a consistent um, like atmosphere except for that it needs to be simple and clean. A big thing for me that I'm sensitive to is smell. So mm. if, you know, like I, I would have a really hard time working in a room that was ha- had those, you know, those Glade wall plug-in oh, things. Yeah. <laughs> the air freshener. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, some, anything like that is yes. just like I can't even handle it. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that... Keeping the amount of stimulation just to a minimum is what I'm saying. But then the coziness factor is very high on my list, like comfort and having enough tea and maybe snacks. And that's it. That's really all I need in like one notebook. And if my dog were around, I would have my dog around. Oh my gosh, what type of dog do you have? She's a Chihuahua, oh. and she's very sweet. Gee. She's old. What's her name? And her name is Pepita. She, we call her P- a Peppy. Oh. And uh, I didn't have her when I was writing the record. I didn't have her yet, but now that we do have her, I, yeah. I will always have her with me if I'm oh, writing. God. I bring Peppy with me almost everywhere. She has a little oh. bag that she goes yeah. into. <laughs> And she just sits in the bag, and she's very quiet, and no one even knows she's there. <laughs> so it's pretty convenient for me. Oh God, I'm sure. Did you did you land up taking her on tour with you when you went on tour last yeah. year? Yeah, oh. yeah, we did. We took her. Um, that was oh. really fun. It was funny. She um, she went all over the U.S. with us. Oh my God, the story she has. See, the, the things she's seen, yeah. <laughs> the things I've seen. <laughs> the things you've seen. She's seen a lot of green rooms. That, that's for sure. So how do you yeah. handle then when you are touring? and Well, not handle, but how do you make sure that you have that comfiness when you are in kind of volatile situations that are ever-changing? So when you, are, you don't know what the green room, unless you've mm-hmm. traveled there before, you don't know what it looks like, you don't know what kind yeah. of people you're going to come across. Um, yeah. How do you make sure that you are walking into a space and you can kind of detach? Maybe I'm asking this almost more for me too, because I think everyone struggles with it. Not only a creative, that you kind of get bombarded by this like weirdness, or it, not in a bad way, yeah. the energy of that place. So how do you make sure you detach from it because you are there for a function, right? You're there to perform. So. Yeah. It. I mean. You can't, the thing about tour is that you can't make sure. I mean, there's a certain amount of control that you do have, but it's almost impossible to create an ideal situation on tour, at least, at least on the tours that, the kind of tours that I am able to go on, which are not, you know, um, super financially backed, I will say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there's certain things that, yeah, there's certain things that you, I could do, um, 
Like, just make sure that I am carrying everything that I need to help me feel comfortable. You know, some tea, like hot water, you know, maybe essential oils or there's, you know, there's little tiny things that you can do to help you feel comfortable in spaces Mm, that are sometimes hostile to the senses. But I think that when you are on tour, you're just accepting that they're not going to be ideal circumstances and certainly you'll be sleeping in some places that you wouldn't normally want to sleep in and you'll be um, using, you know, gross green rooms and maybe no green rooms at all. And it's just, it's all just a part of the experience of traveling around and playing shows and venues and mm, and it kind of gets balanced out i guess because then you do go on stage or wherever yeah. you're performing and then you get that energy back from the crowd that i can hopefully yeah you yeah, hope you hope <laughs> have you ever had yeah. one of those experiences where it just wasn't you, you just didn't feel that connection with the audience oh yeah definitely i think we all have those shows where we maybe don't feel as comfortable or the crowd just isn't, you know, doesn't seem to be into it or whatever. It's, it's unreasonable to think that every show is going to be great or even good. So you just have to, I mean, when I first started playing and even more recently in the past couple of years, I've gone really bummed out if there was a show like that. But I think just the more you do it, the more you realize that that just is going to happen and you can't expect every show to be great. Um, you can just try to do your best and hopefully that will be fun and that's the value you get from it. You always learn from every show something. So even if you don't feel that the crowd is necessarily you know, on your side or enjoying it, you can still get something out of it always. You know, a lot of musicians have other jobs, of course, to to make mm-hmm. sure that they can, can get by. They've got other passions. And yours is obviously one where there is a crossover that isn't usual for many musicians. Of course, the, it, it's something that I was aware of. But when I heard that you were taking, you know, for your tour last year, you were playing your proper full band shows but then in some cities you'll be conducting your living funerals which is uh, yeah. from, from my point of view just from looking and reading and hearing about it, it it was kind of like an experience where you focused on mortality as you're a death doula as well so tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about then taking a show like that um, and ex- being also as you, you have experienced you just have to kind of accept your surroundings, but you bring such a different uh, type of show, quote unquote, or a different mm-hmm. project or different experience. So tell me a little bit about that, uh, what that entails for listeners who might not be familiar with it. A couple of years ago, I was exposed to this article about mock funerals in South Korea. Mm-hmm. South Korea has a really intense work culture and a lot of people... I shouldn't say a lot of people, many people commit suicide over there. I mean, many people commit suicide everywhere, but they have a really high suicide rate in Korea. And the Korean, the, uh, a Korean company started these mock funerals and there was an article about it. And their mission was to help curb suicide rates. 
And I saw the pictures of the people sitting at their own memorial and getting into these coffins. And I, being a deaf doula, was fascinated. And I really wanted to attend one because I just thought, what a great experience. And so I looked and I looked and I couldn't find anyone doing them here in the States. And so that's when I got the idea to actually just formulate a a ceremony by myself. I did a lot of research on, you know, different meditations and traditions, and I came up with a ceremony that is about two two to three hours long, depending on how many people are involved. And it's essentially, it's a focusing on mortality in order to reframe life in a way that makes you really realize and internalize that it is a limited time that we're here and we should strive to live in line with our values and our beliefs and what our heart wants and so in in practical way of course we shouldn't all you know quit our jobs and right. run off to not saying that it's just yes um, so participants come in and they see the memorial photograph and they sit down and we do a writing exercise, essentially pretending that it's their last day on earth. And then there's a quick, like a sharing portion. And then we, uh, do a full body meditation and it's a full body shutdown meditation. So we're visualizing that our bodies are shutting down and, and dying. And then they lay dead for a number, a number of minutes and I cover them with a shroud. Um, I don't have coffins mostly for practical reasons, but I think that when I'm in England, I, I really want to open up an actual center for this because it's becoming quite, uh, I get calls about it every day. So I would love to actually have coffins at the center once I'm not traveling around, but they're covered in shrouds. And then we, um, come back into our bodies and back into life. And then we have a chat afterward. And it's really life-changing for a lot of people. I mean, it's a very simple idea. It's a very simple concept to just think about mortality as as if you were actually going to be dying like that day. But it, it can be really powerful for some people, for a lot of people. So do you ask the participants who are going to, to be at the event, do you ask them to send you a photograph prior to the yes. show? Okay. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So how it, would, how it would work is I would book different locations, uh, like yoga studios or whatever, in the different cities. And then I had pre-registration. So people would sign up and send photographs and their birthday and everything so I could have that information and then I would print it all out and then, you know, assemble the booklets and it was a, a lot of work to be doing yes. when I was already on tour. It yes, was kind of, I'm kind of crazy. Yeah. 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 It was a lot of pre-planning and logistics and, you know, my bandmates helped me by, um, keep, you know, helping me set up the room sometimes because sometimes we would come in, and of course, I'd never been to a lot of these venues that I was renting from. And I would come in like 30 minutes before my participants were supposed to arrive. And so sometimes it would be very hectic, but we we did it. And actually, I did I did do some living funerals in the same venue as 
where we were playing sometimes. Oh, wow. So that was fun. Do yeah. you limit how many people you do it with at, at once? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I can only do about 15 at a time. Mm. So it was equal or less less than that then obviously your music has given you access to this as you said you were already essentially touring and then you yeah. could just add this on as something that you're also equally fulfilled by which i can imagine mm -hmm. it must be unbelievable looking back months i'm sure you get people still you know sending you notes about that experience mm -hmm. i'm sure yeah. and that dialogue even opening up that dialogue is really fascinating so how mm -hmm. has that been for you because that's also an, an art to balance that as well, to, you know, make sure that people feel um, heard and you know, comfort, yeah. comforted when they go through such a life-changing experience. Yeah, it's, I mean, I I think that it's definitely an honor to to be involved in someone's life in that way for, you know, for just those couple of hours. They're really expressing quite a lot and, and being very vulnerable in in the presence in my presence and in the presence of their fellow um participants and I don't take that lightly at all so I I do make myself available for people who want to kind of debrief after that experience um and that to me is a joy I mean I love I love doing it I love I love that this has become part of my work and I'm, I've been training other people to do it, actually, for the past year. So other people around the world are now doing the same thing, which I find just incredible. So now I'm connecting with not only the people who have done it and who are giving me feedback, but also I'm getting feedback from people I've never even met before who are doing the ceremony and then their participants and... It's it's very cool. I love it. Why do you want to have coffins? Is that just to make sure that people feel that physicality? Yeah, so in Korea they have the the coffins and I think it's mostly for dramatic effect. Um you know, obviously you can't really simulate being cremated. That would be <laughs> really extreme. <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but to me, a coffin is, it has that shock factor, right? Like it really has that, you, you never get into a coffin normally, you know, and you never, you, you really never try that unless you're dead, generally speaking. So it has, yeah, it has that extra feeling of uh, realness when you're laying in the coffin thinking about your mort mortality and it's just a box right it's just a pine box it's nothing it's nothing it, it's it's you know you've you've laid on wooden things before you've been inside of um, maybe you've even been inside a box before but it has the added weight of you saying that it's a coffin so it's a quiet space that is just for you and you can be in there and know that you're alive but contemplating your mortality. I just think it's very powerful and also it's visually captivating to me. Yeah. Um but I I do think that the shrouds are also very effective because 
a lot of people do get covered in shrouds after they they die and wrapped in shrouds. So it's really great for for travel, obviously, because it's a lot easier to travel with fabric than traveling with boxes, yeah, boxes. of wood. Gosh. Um, but <laughs> I think that when I do sizes. have... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I do finally have my center, I think that it would be a, a nice option for that for that uh, impact factor. And I do think it's effective. At least it seems effective from the the photos and videos I've seen from, from Korea. And yeah. I've laid in a coffin before, and yeah. it is actually very peaceful. Mm. So <laughs> yeah. I think that maybe some would disagree, but I, I could have fallen asleep in there. Pause the podcast! It's time to step away from the conversation with Emily from Cross Record ever so briefly to share a special segment. We typically like to share our favorite live show or live stream of the week, but we want to continue putting a spotlight where it's most needed and instead highlight an organization we think you should contribute to. This week, we're highlighting Leaders Igniting Transformation, a Milwaukee-based organization inspiring radical youth of color in organizing, liberation, and anti-oppression teaching and public policy innovation. To contribute, head to litmke.org donate. That's L-I-T-M-K-E dot org slash donate. But for now, back to Lior and Emily. Enjoy! There's phrases in life that I think we're just, as a society, in you know, we're tuned to tuning them out, right? So mortality, mm-hmm. death... Um, hospice, any sort of thing that you feel might, uh, you know, the other side, it's all tied to religion and I like bonds to that ideology of what if and what is and what are we, all those questions. So mm-hmm. I definitely, I, I'm, I feel like it's such a great segue into the music that you make because, of mm-hmm. course, what you're making is 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 equally captivating as well and there is a definite sense of like almost like a sound bath like one could walk into it and feel very oh, consumed um that's nice. yeah I, I mean I feel like that is certainly why it's not unusual to hear of the things that you're doing you know it's mm-hmm. not that I'm listening going oh she's definitely you know wanting to assist and uh, be a death doula but I definitely, you know, I feel like there's a, yeah. there's a certain connection, I think, just maybe in the textures of the music and how visceral, you know, like the licorice that that, that feels oh, particularly yeah. visceral for as a musician. And especially when creating that record, how much of the thematically, how much of that came into into your process and your writing? I've always been fascinated by death and dying and these big questions that we all have during life. So I think in a way it doesn't affect me that differently. Like since I have become a death doula, I think I've just always been thinking about that. And I do tend to gravitate towards, you know, darker sounds and um, more textural experiences in music. I don't know. I guess the heaviness that I like to express it does relate to death and dying, but mm. 
uh, it came before my actual, you know, changing or ex- uh, expression of my new of my new career. So I think I don't know. It just kind of feels like another outlet for how I just look at life every day. How has that informed then your relationship to music? Do you feel like you are more even more connected to it now, or um, is it just something that is? Uh, compartmentalized so it's just part of you yeah I kind of feel like that I think it's just part of me I was talking to a friend the other day about music and I was telling him that I don't really listen to music which is true and I think that's pretty bizarre um being a person who makes music you would think that I would be listening to a lot of music but I just don't I just don't think about putting it on. I I really don't know why. Um, I most of the time I don't have anything going on, audio wise. I maybe have like podcasts when I'm driving. To be honest, I watch I watch like TV programs more than I listen yeah. to music. I mean, I I, I resonate with that. Yeah. It happens to me too. There's something really soothing about. TV programs that kind of you get yeah. invested in. I just love, yeah, I, I work on a lot of like art, like drawings and um, selling projects and stuff. And to me, having a little lighthearted TV show on on the side, I, I would definitely do that before putting on music. Um, That's inter- do you feel like it's just because music is, you can get sucked in into the emotion behind the music? What is the reason? Is it just nat- just I don't your know. nature? Yeah. I guess. I, I really don't know. I think when I was a teenager I I listened to way more music than I do now and I think maybe it's that I I don't like to listen to music casually normally. Like I like to put my full attention into it and I do so often put all of my attention into music, whether it be well with for my music you know critically listening to it and make you know mixing it and listening to the masters and figuring stuff out maybe it's just a little too much for me to be doing that all the time with everyone else's music as well i love how you phrase that because i think that they're in being intentional about things especially now when we have so many different options of ways Mm -hmm. to consume and things pop culture to consume being intentional about it is so important like sometimes i walk into people's homes and there's just like the radio on the tv on they've got their like laptop open with twitter there's there's just so much yeah oh my gosh you know what i mean there's just (laughs) so so much much. (laughs) i know my heart is even racing now thinking of it yeah i feel like also as i agree as i'm getting older i feel like i'm doing less and less of it like it's too much maybe Mm -hmm. it's just because you i'm becoming more sensitive to how how it affects me because i know that if I maybe wake up and open Twitter or turn on the news or, mm-hmm. I don't know, God, I, listen to a podcast that's maybe a little bit more grueling than the usual comedy podcast that I listen to, mm-hmm. I'll feel down. Like, it will affect, it will totally darken yeah. things. Yeah, So it's like, yeah, a, I, I don't know. know. It's a strange... But weirdly, we have the power, right, to turn the stuff yeah. off. But I think there's this like incessant need to I don't know just consume it all I don't know I don't know uh, I mean I do know what's happening with our culture but it's kind of (laughs) it's kind of frightening 
It really yeah, is. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. I, it reminds, what you just said really reminds me of, I was taking a lift the other day, mm-hmm. and I, she asked me, the driver asked me what I did for work, and I was telling mm-hmm. her about Dustula. Yes. So she started sharing with me about her uh, family member who died and all this really intense oh information, which is gr- fine. I yeah. mean, I, I welcome that, but at the same time, she had the radio just up Leary. so high. Oh, and I was just thinking, like, <laughs> how are you even talking to how me right you? now? Like, I can barely concentrate on what oh. you're saying. But um, <laughs> I, I'm laughing because so. I'm nervous because I really feel like I've had not that experience because it's yours but i've certainly had moments where i'm like yeah I can't can't weirdly the smell thing is big for me as well especially getting yeah. into lifts or shared cars or even people's houses mm-hmm. like it like hits mm-hmm. me like a storm and i can't oh me too like don't me too. know and my husband has no sense of smell which is the strangest oh <laughs> experience because i only figured it out like three or four years into knowing him wow <laughs> and That's did, crazy. We didn't, it was just not something Something that we had a conversation about. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this is going to sound really weird, but if yeah. I can do it, if I go into a cafe mm. and I can have it so that my back is not yes. to the door. Yes. Yeah. And then I have to then also, if I can see everything that's going on, that's great. And then I have to have headphones on and I have to be listening to like um, either static noise, like white noise or like... Uh, Nature noises, like underwater noises, is the best. And then only at that point can I focus on what I'm doing. But if I can hear everyone else or if I don't know what's going on behind me, there's no way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So when you were in Mexico... And mm-hmm. did you get to experience much of live music? Like, what's, what's your relationship with uh, with live music? How how connected do you feel with that? That's a great question. I When I was in Mexico, I, to be honest, didn't, did not experience much of anything outside of, outside of my Airbnb because I was just working really hard every day. Um, I did take a day. I had my birthday there. And I turned 30 there. And so we did go out and have like a day of exploration. We went to like a cenote, but we didn't see any live music other than walking on the streets, you know, seeing people playing the music on the streets and stuff like that. Um, But my relationship to live music in general, I think it's similar to, to listening to recorded music. I don't, I just don't do it casually. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think if I'm, if I want to go see someone specifically, that's, that's very fun. And I, I really pay t- a lot of attention, but also I love if it, it doesn't happen often, but I love happening upon, you know, really nice shows and putting my attention into it. But I find that so much of your kind of like judgment of music, like say if you haven't heard it before and you're judging it to see if you like it, so much of that process has to do with your state of mind and your mindset and even like the time of day. So it's, you know, listening to recorded music and seeing it live, to me, I think I have to, I want to be in a, 
headspace that is at the at the very best neutral to 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 receive that information. And I also think because there's so much energy that gets mushed around, like you are feeling like there's some shows where the music really can, it, it feels so visceral that you feel like you're being sucked into this the floor or like the person yes. next to you is, has, has decided to grab your hand and sob, which has happened so many mm-hmm. times at different shows I've gone to, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's why the ones that are in, different unconventional spaces always mean a lot I think especially just yeah. my experience and and I like it when artists do that when they think about yeah. you know the venue because I do think that that all plays into it again it's kind right. of what we're talking about like not being casual or flippant about about yeah. these things because you know what kind of effect they can have yeah and also just like realizing that the person whether you like the music or not the person up performing that's taking I know I know what that takes like I know you know obviously it's different for everybody but it's it, it's very deserving of of your attention and your your respect and so I think that I I have respect obviously for everybody but for for people that go up there I think that if I don't I don't know. I think the mindset is just so important. I'm not saying that if I hated the music, I would stay and like watch every single second. Sure. But I do recognize that it's hard to get up there and that a lot for, for a lot of people. It takes a lot. Right. And you can empathize with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, So is there a show then that really has stood out for you where you were in that neutral headspace, you were really comfortable, the venue was wonderful, the artist was great. Is this, is there a show that you've seen um, over the last few years or maybe even when you were younger that, that really affected you? When I was living in Chicago several years ago, I would go to these shows in this one warehouse that was like an empty grocery store and uh, I'm pretty sure no one was really allowed to be there, but yeah. um, they would have these noise shows mm-hmm. where it would just be so loud, like ridiculously loud in this grocery store. And to me, that was just, you know, pe- like people doing crazy things like with tape machines and all sorts of weird objects that they made. And I guess, those shows really affected me because it's a little bit of a surreal experience. Like you, you were in this grocery store space and then there's just like this loud, weird noise is happening and people expressing themselves like so viscerally. And it was just really fun to watch. Who, so who was playing? I, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. Just <laughs> random people. That yeah. I, yeah. And then I always love people to see people singing together, like in group singing situations, like choruses. Or I lo- really love seeing that. When I lived in Maine, I saw this group perform these Bulgarian folk songs that really, really were super powerful. Just people using their voices as as instruments. It's really inspiring to me. I, I know I know there's a lot more that I can directly yes. name, but right now I'm just blanking. No, that's fine. I do remember going to a concert when I was quite young, but I don't remember if it was the first one or I do remember that I 
was obsessed with Gloria Estefan when I was uh, very young. Yeah. I wrote her letters and I was just obsessed with her. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I do remember that I went to, when I was like 10 or something, an Aaron Carter concert. Do you, do you know who that is? Yes. Is he, wait, is he a, um, he's like a boy a band boy type band of person. Guy. Yes. He's yeah. like a pop, pop guy. And I went yeah. with a friend, and, but I can't remember. I can't remember anything about it really. I just remember that I met him and I got his autograph. Okay. And then I, I'm pretty sure I was just there because he was a cute boy. I, I really yeah. don't remember anything about the show no. or the music or anything. Yeah. So I wouldn't really count that. Yeah, but it's a great experience because, you know, when you're filled with wonder when you're younger and, yeah. I don't know, it's like this joint experience with your friends and... I yeah, yeah, it was it was probably a fun time. I just can't remember anything about it. Do, is there an artist that you really want to see live that you feel has that kind of transformative aspect live versus the recording of, of their music? Do you feel like there's somebody that's still on your list that you would really like mm. to see? Yeah, I I want to see. Let's see. I would love to see Rosalia. Oh, yeah. I would love that. I think that I would love to see a fun like a fun show that's very like that I could dance to. I when I actually to be honest, when I listen to music, it's mostly for that function to like have fun or to like dance or sing along to so I think I would most like to go to like a hip-hop show or something like that um it's very different to the music you make I know yeah Yeah, isn't that funny yeah I know (laughs) it's it's a lot different but I I love that music I would also um really love to go see Tara Wack. I love oh her. You know her? Yes. Fucking oh. so great. I'm like, she honestly, so she's great. on my list. I've not seen her yet live, but I can't. I want to like, see her so bad. She's the type of artist yeah. where every time her song has come on and I, or I've put on her song, I always stop halfway and go back to the beginning because I'm like, I do not want it to end. I need to start it over yeah. again. Oh my gosh. So I love, great. I love I love her too. And, and her, uh, you know, visual output, like her music videos and the, yeah, obviously. No, it's all just perfect. And it's so different. It's something I remember listening to and like, I want to know everything about that brain because there's some really crazy shit going on in there. Like for the better, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Music like that is just, I love, I love hip hop production and I love, all of the sounds that happen in that kind of music. And in a way, I I think, well, I do feel influenced by it, but I think that the way that I express it is different. I just, I love, to me, it's a lot, it's really interesting sonically. I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of her music. I'm honestly not, not really sure if I've heard a lot of her music, but the music that I have heard has been really sonically interesting is Billie Eilish. And I know she's like huge. And I, I think that maybe her brother does a lot of the production, but the, the, the quality and the sounds that they use 
in in the spaces that they create are really interesting. So what is next then for you in terms of your music? This move to England is, I think, going to be really big in a lot of ways. And I think that it will definitely shape how my next, uh, I guess, I don't know, I guess I'll make another album. I'm, I'm assuming I will. Mm-hmm. How, how it shapes my next album. And I'll probably be doing a lot more by myself because I'll be away from everyone that I work with here. And so, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I've been writing a lot of music with my clarinet lately. And I'm thinking it might involve more clarinet or I'm just not sure. It's, you wait and see. I'll wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I'll see, what, I'll see what happens. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble. We'd like to thank Dean Berger and Daniel Brater for additional music, as well as the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again and I miss you already. Consequence Podcast Network.